This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. Not sure what to do here. I, I, I'm looking at the microphone. And <laughs> it hasn't been our... that long. No, it hasn't been that long. It was nice to get away, though. It is Power yeah. Lunch here on Lightning Power Play. Greg Lanelli. Now you, you know how the Lightning feel when they come back after. <laughs> you know what? Hiatus. That is a good point. You know, they, they talk about being well-rested, and you heard the players. It was really interesting hearing that after the Devils game about, you know, the players basically like, look, we've had just the last two years have been really long for us, and it might not help us in the short run all this time off, but we're going to take it 100%. They're back, obviously, practicing today, but I, that's one of those things, partner, and, and Dave Michigan on the other side. We've got Steve Ersnick, obviously, producing. We're glad to be with you here. That's one of those things, too. You don't know the the effect of this layoff probably till when? The playoffs, maybe? You know, I, like it's hard to quantify how maybe this is going to help the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Let's operate with the benefit of hindsight to see how far they go. I would go. agree. Yeah. We can um, do that, you know, it, it's, right? Is it yeah? Is it a way for them to, to let us know? You know, look, I I feel fresher mm-hmm. in this first round than I did maybe last year or the previous year. Who knows? I I, I don't know how that's going to play out. That's just one of those things. I think you take the players uh, for their word, I guess, and and you kind of go from there. And and hopefully it is something that they can benefit with. So we'll monitor that as it goes. You know, one of the people I've really enjoyed hearing do press conferences this year is Pierre Edward Belmar. Yeah. And and most players are, are I think most players, in fact, all players are honest. They're honest. I mean, they're not going to tell something that's that's not true, but some are a little bit more vanilla than others. Some are a little bit more forthcoming than others. Belmar is is fairly forthcoming. <laughs> he basically says what's on his mind. Yeah. And he was asked this question about the the time off and the benefit of it. And he said, yeah, you know, we love having the time off. He's like, that first practice back, though, is going to be brutal <laughs> or something like that. I and he's right. That. I appreciate he's that right. candor. Yeah. Well, he's right. I think, you know, the coaching staff, let, let's face it, too. I, I think one thing we've learned from John Cooper, when they have all these games bunched together, they don't get a chance to practice as much. And I think that's really when the coaches can make their mark. You know, we talk about Cooper and his in-game strategies and mixing up the lines. And that's one thing that I think he does very well. But I, I think a lot of these coaches feel like when you have all these games played in a relatively short amount of time, you don't get a chance to get on the ice and practice some of the things that you need to work on. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, the time off is going to help being away from the ice. But I think the, the coaches, you mentioned the practice today and leading up to the game against Edmonton, you know, probably invaluable for them to kind of get back. Here's our structure. Here's what you need to do. Here's what we need to be on the power play, on the peak. I don't know how much tape, Dave, they're going to look at when it comes to Edmonton. Since they've had a, a few more days off, maybe they do because it's Connor McDavid. You want to kind of get get an idea of maybe where he is on the ice. Although when you're that fast and that dynamic, uh, I, I think everybody just has to be aware of where he is. But I, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious what the practices will be like with the time off now uh, in between these games. And because they've had so many days off, do you is there a tendency to look at game film? a little bit more from the team that you're going to be playing coming up. For instance, the uh, the Edmonton Oilers here on Wednesday who got beat up pretty good last night, by the way. Yeah, that would be a question for the coaches. But, yeah. I mean, we had this discussion not that long ago, Greg. It sounds like when the Lightning are going through the grind of a regular season, they really don't focus 
specifically as much on the opposition maybe as some other teams do, which is not to say they're they're completely disregarding who is on the other side. I mean, you do have to acknowledge the fact that Connor McDavid's coming in on Wednesday and, and how you have to approach trying to slow him down. And certainly different teams have different looks on their special teams. I think that's usually something that, that the Lightning special teams will go over and vice versa. So that's just doing your due diligence. But in terms of what is the priority, where is the emphasis? I think for the Lightning, the emphasis is as much about how they are playing, what they want to do in terms of their breakouts, in terms of their forecheck, in terms of their neutral zone, and less about the way the other team maybe breaks out of the defensive zone. I think that's fair. I think that's Even fair. though that they're going to have a little bit more time here. By the way, you mentioned Edmonton coming off a lopsided loss, first loss under their new coach. Yeah. And I saw an article that came out before they played Minnesota yesterday talking about, hey, the Oilers are defending, and hey, the new coach has gotten them playing hard, and hey, when the top guys come back in the defensive zone with a purpose, it really it really has a ripple effect yeah. through the through the team and through the lineup and everybody else wants to follow suit and then they take a seven spot on the chin to Minnesota which got hammered at home against Florida the day before it may be a little little pay not payback but circumstances yeah no you brought that up we talked about you brought that up yeah you've brought if Minnesota had not had a home loss a lot I mean look there were a couple empty netters in there but it sounded like the Panthers took it to Minnesota and if you're Minnesota and you take a loss like that at home, you get to come right back. It might be the next day. I think that was a back-to-back for them. Edmonton was the wrong opponent at the wrong time from the Edmonton side. And on the Edmonton side, you're like, hey, we just won five in a row. Things are going great. And maybe maybe you let up on your intensity or your attention to detail just a little bit because things had been going so well what this also means though is now the lightning are seeing a team that's coming off a lopsided loss exactly and i think will be motivated to get back to playing the sort of team defense that helped them when they had won five in a row no doubt about that evander kane scoring goals for them that'll be an interesting sidebar to that game as Mm -hmm. well in addition to mcdavid and refresh me uh, partner when how many times have they faced mcdavid at home since he's been in the NHL. I feel like they well, missed McDavid's him maybe, right? Well, first year in the league was the 15-16 season, but if you recall, he got hurt. What was I say? We didn't see him, right? That... Yeah, so he missed that first year. I want to say both games. I think since then, though, he has played every game against the Lightning. He has played every game? Okay. So 16, well, not last year, obviously. I mean, right. he... Had there been a game last year, he would have played. Right, right, right. Last year, they didn't see Edmonton, and the year before, they only played the Oilers once, but that was at home. They didn't go to Edmonton. So it's been one in the last couple of years, but from 16-17 through 18-19, so what is that? One, two, three years. Yeah, I mean, it hasn't been much, right? So three at home, and then they played another game at home against him in the 19-20 season. It It feels like it's been a while. Yeah, he you has know? not had as impactful a game on the road for Edmonton against the Lightning as he has in the games at Edmonton. Now, not every game between the teams in Edmonton has he been impactful, but he's been very impactful in some of those games. I think he had a five-point game against the Lightning in one of those games 
that was, was played I feel like it was a hat trick. It might have been a hat trick, not a formal yeah. game, but it was a it was a. And there was big another game. game where there was a shootout, and he got the winner in the shootout, which it wasn't I like he had right. five points, but he certainly right. had an impact. He at least up until this point has been held fairly consistently in check in the games at Emily. But again, we're talking about a handful less. One hand. That's yeah, what we're right, talking right, right. We're not even talking two hands. We're talking fingers sure. on one hand, the number of times he's played in Tampa. Yeah, and, you know, he is uh, along with – and I think opposing teams, their fan bases probably look at the Lightning in a similar way. Not only the team, but I think individual players, whether that's Kucherov or Stamkos or Hedman, even Vasya. I, I don't know how many people go to a game to watch a goaltender, but, you know, if there's one that you want to see – it could be Vassy. I don't know how excited people get when it comes to watching the other team stop pucks. But I think when it comes to offensively gifted players, Connor McDavid, Dave, is one of those guys that I think even the casual sports fan would look at, what are those tickets going for? Even though I'm not a huge hockey fan, let me check out what all the hype is about. Mm-hmm. I think he is one of those players. And I think the Lightning actually have a couple of those guys, McDavid, because of the fanfare, I, I think, that, that follows him or that has followed him, uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. I don't, I don't know how many you know Oilers fans are going to be making the trip down here to check out the game, but I, I've got to think that's going to be a pretty that's going to be a pretty festive night on Wednesday. Yeah. I, I think both teams are going to enjoy themselves. What do you think about this this argument? And I'll use that term. It's not an argument to people like shouting at each other with their fists clenched, but this this theory that unlike the NBA, which really is a star-focused league, and the stars get a ton of airtime in terms of national television exposure, the NHL tends not to focus as much on their individual stars. They do focus on them, but maybe not to the degree as some other leagues like, let's say, the NBA or the NFL, and to the extent that the Edmonton Oilers with Connor McDavid should be a regular fixture on national telecasts, not only north of the border, but also south of the border, talking about in the U.S. Because I can tell you, I, I don't know how many times Edmonton has been on a TNT or ESPN broadcast in the regular season or even going back to when NBC had the rights. I can tell you it's not a lot, though. And yeah. and should and could the NHL do more? Should the television partners do more to get McDavid on a national telecast more regularly based on what you just said about his skill set? You know, it's a good question because it's it's one that's been asked for a lot of years when it came to Mary Lemieux and Sidney Crosby, particularly Crosby. So we, I, I've, I've been hearing that argument for the last 20 years. And the way I would answer that question. Partner, but Pittsburgh is on they are. national television. They are. So, way more than Edmonton. So is that, and why is that? And the, and the league can come out and say it's because, you know, the Pittsburgh Penguins are really good. And a big reason is because Sidney Crosby. But is Sidney Crosby outside, and, and this is where it may become a, a little convoluted with the, the reasoning. Is Sidney Crosby outside of those games being aired nationally? being promoted by the league as much as a player like that should, or even Connor McDavid. Now, you may come back and say, well, what does that mean? All right, so maybe commercials, um, being featured, you know, uh, maybe going on one of the late-night shows, 
if if anybody watches those anymore. I, it, things like that outside of actually playing. I, for me, though, what it comes down to, and this is more of the product on the ice, I think the NBA also does a pretty good job of protecting their star players. And what I mean by that is LeBron James, I think, for the most part, is going to get the benefit of uh, a call being fouled, the benefit of the doubt. I think for a long, long time, in certain instances, you'll see it happen, but I, I don't know if stars always get the proper treatment they should on the ice from the officials, the way maybe other sports do. We can quibble with that. I've seen that enough over the years. I feel like I'm I'm right on that, but that that's my opinion. But when I hear they need to do a better job of promoting the game and taking care of their stars, I think one of that is off the ice. What are they doing to promote Connor McDavid outside of the actual games, whether it's, again, commercials, appearances, signings, uh, however creative you want to get to get his name out there a bit more than just playing the games, I, I think that would fall into line. But for me, it's also how is the game being officiated when players like that are on the ice? Yeah, are, and that's been a bone of contention on the Edmonton side, that McDavid has not gotten the benefit. Yeah, are they being protected the way it should? Now, I don't know if that draws more fans in, Mitch. I, th- I think in many ways yeah. that might be two separate questions. I don't think... Let's put it this way. I don't think the league does enough to protect their stars on the ice. I don't think they do enough to promote them off. And maybe, look, that's that's fair, and, and that's something that has been brought up, not only by Edmonton about the Oilers' top players, but by a lot of teams related to their top players. And you mentioned Lemieux. I mean, even going back to the late 80s, early 90s. He retired early. Yeah, based on the abuse that he was taking from other teams. But getting to this question about like how much should the Oilers be on national TV, not only in Canada, but also in the U.S., I think the other side of the argument, in other words, the reason why you don't see maybe the Oilers as much on a TNT broadcast or an ESPN broadcast yeah. is ratings matter. So when you do put Sidney Crosby and the Penguins on a national broadcast, you know you're going to get a huge number out of Pittsburgh. You know that. Correct, correct. And I'm not sure that it it carries as much weight (laughs) to say, well, I mean, the people in Edmonton are not going to be watching on ESPN. They're going to be watching, presumably, on a Canadian network. And so they're not going to get the benefit of the local market bump of the ratings. I understand that. So then... Is that a reason not to put them on? Well, maybe it needs to be more of a multifaceted approach where McDavid is everywhere. So people are like, oh, my gosh, I got to see McDavid. He's on TV. Not, I heard about this guy McDavid, talking about casual fans, maybe not diehard hockey fans, and not really really tuning in because it's not like a must-watch situation. But well, more promotion think- of the stars outside of the actual game might create that buzz. You and know what I'm saying? I think something also, too, we have to be pretty honest when we're talking about the NHL. We love the game. 
everybody that listens to us loves the game. It's still behind those other sports in popularity. Right. And That's so why I, I'm talking about yeah. building a buzz around a certain player, which hockey's not really structured it's the same way. Do. It's it's more, you know, no eye in team and, and everyone pulls on the rope together and you need that. Also, as we talked about many times, you know, Connor McDavid maybe plays a third of the game. LeBron James or you know, pick a star in the NBA could play theoretically yeah, the sure. whole game. No doubt. No doubt. And have the ball in his hands way more than the top player in an NHL game will have the puck on his stick. It's a fair point. I think it's it's one that makes a lot of sense. I think when you take a look at Connor McDavid, the popularity in Canada speaks for itself and certainly they know how to promote him but it's almost like they're talking to themselves because you want to grow the game so you mm -hmm. grow the game here in the states you know when i when i talk sports with you know some buddies around here casually yeah. they know what i do for a living but they're not they're not asking me about hey did you see that that highlight that Connor mcdavid had the other night or did yeah. you see what kucherov did i mean it's they're probably more inclined partner to talk about hey um did you see that pass stafford had in the fourth quarter of the super bowl or, right. you know, did you see even a home run or somebody else, you know, uh, in MLB whenever they do decide to play again? But I, I think that's I think that's the conundrum hockey faces. And it's always been that way. Are they a sport that can elevate in its popularity? It's why you see them doing a lot of beyond these, the regional beyond the regional. That's why you see yeah. them going over to a lot of different countries and playing over there and and doing certain things that may grow their game to a point. I don't know what the answer is for them to gain more popularity, let's call it here in North America. Um, I think they've tried a, a couple of different things. I just think also, too, the sport is a bit more complicated than basketball. Yeah. You know, let's face it. Basketball, most people go out there. Even if you weren't a basketball fan, you know, growing up, there's a chance you probably were playing hoops in some capacity. Right. Uh, there's a good chance kids probably coming up, you know, maybe they weren't introduced. To, to hockey, which is one of the reasons why the Lightning have done such a great job, you know, in the city and the town here is getting kids to play street hockey, giving them sticks, getting them pucks, getting them balls. And I, I think that that does wonders. But I, I don't know if we're going to see that effect popularity wise um, for another few years. And I guess circling back to the, the original question I posed, which is, should the Edmonton Oilers be on national TV in the United States more? And easy for me to say because I'm not the one dealing with ratings and sponsors and all of that. Right. But I would say yes. It can't hurt. But what time are they playing too? You know what I mean? Like is somebody yeah, going to stay up to watch? They have Western. They have they Western do. Coast games, they or maybe do. when they come east. You know, they, they play. They play. If not in the east, they play in the central time zone too. You would think within their conference. You would think it can be done. I'm not talking about putting them on every week, but spitballing i would say we're talking about less than five is that fair there are probably five or fewer games involving the edmonton oilers on espn and its platforms and tnt during this regular season yeah is that fair that's fair i, I think that fair. number should be higher now i'm not going to disagree with based that. on mcdavid I'm not I'm not biased to say the Edmonton Oilers as a franchise need to be on TV, but 
he is one of your most electric players in the league. For sure. Now, are you going to get a, a Trevor Zegras moment? Like happened in, which was an ESPN Plus game, actually. But that that was a viral moment. And most people who are vaguely aware of hockey saw that play. That's not going to happen all the time. No. But people who like hockey, if you're getting a steady diet, somewhat steady diet, or at least a more steady diet of how McDavid plays, I think that that's a good thing. But I wonder like what I the said, bear... easy for me to make this statement. No, I know. It's, and it's a I'm, fun debate. I'm speaking with, with, no, <laughs> with no skin in the game, right? <laughs> it's going to be interesting. You know, I, I wonder, we know the answer here in Tampa. But for the casual sports fan, what's more appealing to you? Watching Connor McDavid come into town and maybe go into a game or seeing the back-to-back Stanley Cup champs? Because there, there's a little bit of an aura with a team that goes back-to-back. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't care what league you play. And the Lightning are on and they are. TNT and ESPN a fair amount this year, as you would expect. They should be. And I'm, I'm curious, though, because the Lightning have star power. Now, does the casual fan know who Braden Point is? I'd hope so. I think they know who Steven Stamkos and Nikita Kucherov are. But I am curious when you start talking about maybe the the casual fan. And maybe, look, maybe that's unfair. Maybe we shouldn't be talking about the casual fan. I don't, I don't know mm-hmm. where the casual fan has hockey in its pecking order. Yeah, and how much you is know? the casual fan watching a regular season game, too? Probably not much. So maybe this notion about McDavid's airtime is tied as much to what McDavid and the Oilers do in the playoffs, which is, to this point, that's very fair. little. Yeah. No, that's They've good. done very little in the playoffs. Do it on, do it on a dynamic stage. And what would you say if Connor McDavid and the Oilers represented the West in the Stanley Cup Final and took on, whether it's the Lightning or some other really exciting, I'll use this term again, electric-type team, I think that that would be a really compelling matchup, and you may get those casual fans. Hey, the the Stanley Cup final is on. This McDavid, I've heard about him. What do you? I think you, that's more likely than some Thursday in February. Well, and do you buy? But the, I still think that if you're going to put the games on, yeah, I would like to see more McDavid. Yeah. No, I would. I would agree with that. More I mean, McDavid, and, and that would be Saturday that would be Night Live. Yeah. <laughs> That would be I got very a fever. Compelling. I've got a fever. <laughs> yes, yes, and it is gone. More McDavid. More McDavid. But I, you know, you always wonder too, like the TV markets. Does that? How, how much? You know, because you always hear with executives, do they really? They want the bigger markets playing in these higher end. They games. want a number. But, uh, you know, they that's do want why. That's why. They want a number, but they want a number, and they know they're going to get a good number from the market that one of their teams is going to be in if that market's a big market. Well, hit us up on Twitter if you want to react to anything there because I think it's it's somewhat interesting. Are you going to the game? If you have the uh, opportunity to get tickets, Wednesday nights, the Lightning gets set to take on 7.30 start as well. Start, which means we'll be on the air at 6.30. Pre-game will be at 7. Then we got the stadium series coming up. Yeah. And that's going to be a lot of fun. So, nice tie into our guest today. Yeah. Paul Delgado. Of course, everybody knows him. Chief meteorologist at Fox 13. I want to ask him when he really got into hockey because he's you can tell like when mm, he tweets I think out. He grew, he's, up, grew up in New England, but we'll yeah. ask him. 
So he's he might be a big Phil Esposito fan. You never know. But he is somebody that you know you can tell knows the game. And I, I think By the way, happy birthday to Phil. Yesterday. Eighty years old, right? Eighty. Mm-hmm. Most would you say most impactful figure in lightning history? Well, one of the there? most. I mean, if not the him, most. He's got a statue and founded the team, right? I mean, mm-hmm. doesn't get much more impactful than that. Phil Esposito on the ice, Hall of Famer, off the ice, Hall of Famer, and in the booth. He's given us some great moments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> some of those we can't say off the air or on the air, I should say. Better, better served off the air. Uh, but I think with Paul, one of the questions a lot of people get is just, can the Lightning host an Alberta yeah, game? Yeah, we'll ask him that. Yeah, and I, I know he's kind of gotten back and forth with, you know, the temperatures at night and maybe where are the coldest nights. But I, I think it's it's probably for him really hard to to make those calls. But I don't know. It's been a pretty chilly, at least since I've been down here, partner. I don't know how you feel. I feel like the last month or so, pretty chilly. I don't yes. want to say pretty cold. You know, all things considered, you you have definitely left Pittsburgh in the rearview mirror. I mean, <laughs> uh, there are people who are rolling their eyes at you I from know, your I hometown know. that you are, are referring to this weather as chilly. I know, but I agree no. with you. Yeah, it's I think our blood does thin. <laughs> it does. There is. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know how many years it takes for that to happen, but I think it does happen. No you ever you ever on the phone with people back in Pennsylvania, whether it's your family or whatever? And they're like, "Yeah, how's it going down there?" And yeah, yeah, it was chilly. It was chilly last <laughs> night. It was in the fifties. I always feel bad <laughs> saying that. I always feel bad saying that. I, you know, I, I mean, know look, you do. And so what I'll say is like, look, you know, I mean, for us, it's pretty cold. I mean, we hit you know forty five. We hit forty, and they'll be like, "Oh, you know, my parents come down here and visit. My dad would be still in shorts and in mm-hmm. a t shirt if he had to." So, yeah, no, I, I, I fully understand that there's a there's a process there. But uh, we're going to speak to Paul about the weather and uh, some other things as well. And, of course, and if you're going to Nashville, yes. what to expect? He's going to give us I know it's a few days out, but he's going to give us the lay of the land as it relates to if you are going to Nashville, what you should expect. Well, and you're going to you're going to want to make sure and you and Steve, because you guys are going to be going to the game, obviously, mm-hmm. what to pack. Make sure you're warm. I've, I've got to think it's going to be cold. But we're going to talk to Paul about that and break it all down. We'll take your questions, too. Jamel Smith was claimed on waivers again, partner, and then sent to mm-hmm. Syracuse. That was, I don't know, maybe the... It's like a repeat of the Barry Boulay situation from the start of the year. I know. Well, there were, and, you know, it's funny when that happened. When he got claimed by Detroit, I don't know if it was The Athletic. It might have been NHL.com. They immediately rushed to do a story about the Smith brothers playing with one yeah. another and they got and a then, game together, which was did. really cool right before they put them on waivers. Yeah. And I don't know what to make of that from Detroit's perspective. I mean, obviously it could be numbers cap, I, mm-hmm. whatever the, the thing about Jamel Smith, which is, which is interesting since he has been a member of the lightning organization. I think he's one of those guys that probably had he not, I think one, he gets caught up in a numbers game. I think two, had he not been injured, maybe things would be a bit different with him right now in the lightning organization. But I think there's enough of a track record there with him that the Lightning really like him. And I, maybe he's not a regular at this point, but I, I don't. it's not one of those things they just want to see him go. I mean, they obviously brought him back. 
there's value in him. He just hasn't had an opportunity with the numbers game. We were talking about him in, in training camp. You know, was he one of those guys that could have been somebody vying for a spot mm-hmm. when we were talking about the, the four youngsters who were, you know, the ones basically in contention? But Jamel Smith, I think every time he's come up here, he's done really well. I don't know what you make of it. Is it you think it's just more of a a number slash opportunity for him? Maybe at this point. And injuries, I think, certainly have, have curtailed it. Well, as it stands right now, the Lightning don't have any cap room. So, at this point, as we understand things today, the Lightning would have to have an injury situation to call him up so yes. he could get in. But I think that he would be one of the guys considered, certainly, if they have a a spot they need to fill at the forward position. And it's not it's not the same as it was when he was coming back from injury. Now he's played. I mean, he's played some games for Detroit. Yes. And he's been practicing regularly. So I don't know. I don't understand. Maybe when Detroit comes in in a couple of weeks, we'll we'll talk to the people on the Detroit side. Like, you know, how did he look? Why was he put through waivers? Was it a numbers thing? Did they have injured guys who were coming back and confess I'm not on top of that situation? That was the situation with Seattle, though. Barry Boulay was claimed because they had a need for bodies. Talking about the Kraken. And then when they had their, their players get healthy, and there were some guys, I think, who were on the COVID list or false positives, but they had to wait a little bit. And then they just had too many players, so they put them back on waivers. Jamel Smith Unless unless somebody was coming back off the injured list, like I'm not sure that they had to put him through waivers to the Red Wings, but they chose to, and the Lightning said, thank you very much, and they claimed him right back. So now, because he has gone through waivers, it's that same rule, 30 days or, or 10 games. So the Lightning have an opportunity here really over the next little bit if they can call him up then they can send him back down without exposing him to waivers or if it's an emergency call-up. If they have a lot yes. of injuries, then that, they don't have to worry about that as we've seen earlier this year. But I guess to answer your question, like I, I agree with you in that when he has gotten in, I think that he has looked impressive. But there was a reason why the, the Red Wings didn't play him regularly and then they chose to put him back on waivers. And what happened? And, and I can I only go off of stats. Played in three games, had one assist. It looks like his total ice time was a little over six minutes. Yeah, so they really didn't use him. They didn't very use him much. that much. No, they didn't use him at all, really. But he was practicing, so it's not like yeah. he played the three games in in six days and that was it. I mean, how long ago did they claim him? It was a while ago. Yeah. Yep. So for his sake, good that he's healthy. Hopefully they'll be able to help Syracuse. They've had kind of a weird year up and down. They've they've had some tough stretches and they won a few games and then they they hit the skids again. They've had a lot of injuries. Their goaltending situation has been really up in the air because they've had injuries to their goalies. But Smith will help them. I mean, he's a he's a veteran, experienced AHL guy. And from an NHL standpoint, he has more experience than some of the younger players the Lightning could have potentially, you know, summoned. Yes, he does. If they need if they needed someone. 
Well, so we'll, we'll keep see. an eye on that. We'll yep. find we'll find out. Yeah, but it's not like the Lightning can just call them up. They don't have the cap space. No doubt about at that. This hit point. us hit us up on Twitter at Bolts Radio. Paul Delgado up next. We'll talk to him about the weather and hockey. He's Dave Michigan. I'm Greg Linelli. Steve Versick producing. Back after this on Lightning Power Play. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. Hi, glad you're with us here. Hope your weekend went well. Lightning have a couple of games coming up here. Of course, Edmonton on Wednesday and then on Saturday, the stadium series against Nashville. That's going to be a lot of fun. We'll have wall-to-wall coverage with that here on Lightning Power Play. And uh, somebody who's going to be all over not only the the weather side, but also the hockey side. We uh, follow him and watch him a lot on TV. He's the chief meteorologist at Fox 13 here in Tampa. Of course, you know him as Paul Delgado. Paul, first off, welcome to Power Lunch here on uh, Lightning Power Play. I'm going to ask you right out of the gate. What do you like better, following the weather or or following hockey? Because I feel like (laughs) you've got a passion for both. Well, the the thing is, and I, you know, people my age is like when, you know, when you grow up and you're, you know, I grew up in the 70s and 80s. You know, there's there's no internet, there's no phones, uh, there's no cable TV. So you know, literally, all you really had all you really had to do was come home from school and play sports. So you know, I grew up um, getting out of school at 2:30 and then running to a pond and playing pond hockey before it got dark. And don't forget, I grew up outside of Boston, so it gets dark at 4:20. Um, and on a winter day, so you're you're scrambling. So I had the I had the passion of growing up, uh, driving my parents crazy that I wanted to be a meteorologist when I get older and also uh, just being a big sports fan, you know, my my entire life. Well, I spent uh, a number of years in my youth outside of Boston, too, Paul. So I remember watching Bruins games on Channel 38 and yes. the, the snow on the television. It was, a, was and it trying the to great, adjust the it to get the right reception. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I think it was called the Great 38. It was WSBK. And that's when. Yeah. Um, Don Don Cusack was the play-by-play guy, correct? Fred Cusack. Fred Cusack, that's right. Yeah. That's right, Fred Cusack. And we only got Bruins road games because I think, well, at least the memory I have is that the home games were, were on a fledgling station known as Neston at the time, and it was really hard to get. My parents were not paying for cable. So I only saw yeah. the Bruins in their black jerseys. But be that as it may, Paul, we did want to have you on for a very specific reason. A lot of Lightning fans are going to be going to Nashville. And I know we're a few days out, but but what can you tell those fans about what they should expect weather-wise, both as spectators and actually, you know, in terms of what we're going to see on the ice? Well, I tell you, there, there's no doubt there's a big contingent going up to Nashville because my inbox um, on all my social media and email has been filled with fans wanting to know, you know, what to expect, what to go, more more so than any Buccaneers away game. So it's kind of interesting. So you've got you've got a huge, um, huge interest. And I think the news is generally good. Uh, it's going to rain up there a lot. If you're going up early, because, I mean, it's a city you can certainly spend four to five days and have a blast. If you're going up early, it's going to rain a lot. In fact, there's a flood watch up uh, for off and on during the week. And then a front's going to go by Friday, and right now it gets early. It's it's tough to go into detail way out there, but it looks dry and cool. Um, Saturday's high is probably going to be in the 40s, and then at night it'll be probably around freezing, and there's a slight chance of even some rain or snow showers Saturday night. Not a sure thing, and probably won't happen, but it's not impossible to see a bit of light rain or snow. 
but it's not going to be in the 60s or 70s. It's uh, as far as the ice goes, it's really cold enough. It'll be fine. Uh, it dry and chilly is how it looks now Saturday and Saturday night with a small chance of a couple of rain or snow showers. Paul, I'm just curious. What do you make of the outdoor games in general? I think they're great. You know, yeah, I mean, from I, the I weather actually, perspective. Yeah. I did some research. I mean, I you know I I forgot they actually they did an outside game. I I forgot where the Dodgers play, um, uh, and and they did an outdoor outdoor game. I I just looked at it earlier. They they did one in front of Caesar's Palace uh, in Las Vegas. They've done one in Levi Stadium in San Francisco. And and kind of reading through some of the history of these games, the worst ice. That I, I that I that people talked about was the one that was in San Francisco that they played uh, where the Levi Stadium is where the 49ers play, but I mean I think they're a blast. I mean uh, and again the big buzz is is could they get one to be here and 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 they certainly could. I mean the, the, the people that make the ice. I mean the whole technology of making ice and playing games outdoors has improved dramatically in the past 10 15 years. The only issue here locally is if there was an 80-degree day in January, and, and the humidity is really the key. I mean, it's 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 it, it, ice is better even indoors when there's when there's very low humidity. So the, the, I think the question always is, would it rain, and then how high would the humidity be? So if if there is a, a hot day with high humidity, let's say in January, it wouldn't make a difference if the game was played at eight o'clock at night. Or would that help offset some of that? I mean, it would it would help. I mean, I think that's really. And again, I'm not I don't I'm not an expert on this, but from what I what I understand, a lot of it really is just basic like physics. Is is the the first half of January here was really warm. We had a bunch of days um, that were in the low to mid 80s um, for high temperature, and that in itself isn't bad because they played the game um, in L.A. When and I think it was the L.A. Kings and I think they I forget who they played. They played Anaheim, Anaheim but yeah, is it Anaheim or San, San Jose or something? Um, and it was 80, but it wasn't humid. And and once the sun goes down, it becomes 60 and it's dry. And and they can certainly have fine ice when it's it's. I mean, you go to you go to a Lightning game and it's 60 degrees and and inside the the arena and it's not humid and that's kind of how it was in in L.A. The issue here is just to have a muggy, and it's all dew points. And if you had dew points in the mid-60s to near 70, the ice quality is just really bad because it just gets real choppy really easily. So that's that's the um, that's the challenge is just to have a dry day. I mean, to be honest, Monday, I mean, Sunday, Sunday here in Tampa Bay, I mean, top 10 weather day, sunny, low 80s, but by 7 o'clock at night, it had dropped into the 50s and 60s, and it wasn't humid. And I think if they played the game here Sunday night a couple of days ago, it would have been perfect. Um, it would have been fine. And, and you hope you get you get a day you get a day like that. That that that's the key. Paul Delgado joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. All the Lightning fans that talk to you ask you about playing these outdoor games. What what are the most common questions or concerns they have? I'm sure a lot of people ask. You know, when is what particular day or what particular month? maybe is best. I mean, I, I don't know how you go about answering questions like that because, as you know, Mother Nature has a has a mind of its own sometimes. I mean, you, you would probably shoot for January. Um, the, the days are shorter. The average high, you know, the average high in mid-January is 71, and the average low is like 52, 53. And if you get an average day, it doesn't rain, 
you know, I think it's doable. I mean, you look at some, I mean, you just go back, and, and I'm just staring at the computer. You look at the weather, second half of January this year, here's some highs going back, like 62, 57, 63, 57, 63. That's the second half of January. But there were days in the first half that were 81, 81, 84, 81. And those days may be a challenge because it's humid. Um, if you get a dry, cool day, um, it's fine. And even and even if they were to play a kind of a humid day, just the the ice quality is just not great. And and um, and then you get into the the question is you know you can never sacrifice player safety. And it really more is about uh, is about safety for the players um, because these guys will make ice. And the thing is what they do when they make this ice outside. It's completely different than than inside the arena because they make it like over two inches thick, and you know I think in an ice in, in Emily Arena it's probably about an inch or so, maybe less. But outdoors, when they make these these stadium games, the ice is over is over two inches. That's a lot, and and that's mainly because of it gets chewed up a lot more outside than it would inside. Paul, from a temperature standpoint. Like even I understand, we're in the northern hemisphere, so in the winter we're farther away from the sun. So you're going to have colder temperatures. How does the humidity vary from season to season? Because you just mentioned, like you can have high humidity in January, but clearly it's maybe I shouldn't say clearly. Is it less humid generally in the winter than it is in the summer? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's and it's you know we 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 show this, um, and over the years, you know, people say, what is the dew point? What is the dew point? We just use a general rule that anytime the dew point is above 70 it, it feels like a sauna and and our dew point here in in the summer is above 70 for four straight months okay um and then in the winter and the dew point is is the reason why we use dew point more than relative humidity is because dew point is kind of like an absolute number the relative humidity is kind of relative on what the temperature and the dew point is so we just use the dew point because it's an absolute number that everyone everyone understands the dew point 75 it's July and it feels like it feels like the Amazon. It's just it's brutal. But in the winter, we can get dew points in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, and, and that feels like winter. It feels like dry air. And in the winter, we can have days like that. It, we can also have days in the winter where it does get humid because we're in Florida, and sometimes the winds will come up from the south, and it gets to be a humid winter day. But we have a lot of days that aren't. And and I think it's a lot of it's pure luck. I mean, if if they were to schedule a game here in January. It could it could rain, but it could rain anywhere in the country except for maybe L.A. or Vegas for the most part, and they would have to deal with that potential rain. But for, but for the most part, I think if they scheduled one here, they would find a way to get it in. I mean, they would find a way to play the game. There's always a chance of a delay of a day or two that would play the game. Paul, that was going to be my maybe last question to you when it came to the weather. I mean, do you feel pretty confident, regardless of uh, you know the conditions, that at some point we will see an outdoor game down here in in Tampa. I mean, I, there's no reason not. I mean, you know, they they they, they did it in they did it in in Los Angeles. They did it in in San Francisco. The weather wasn't great. They did it in Pittsburgh one year, and they had I think they had a delay. I I, I think, and I I may be wrong, but I remember it rained and it was warm in Pittsburgh. It was in the 50s for them. And um, but there's never been I don't think there's ever been a cancellation. I mean, every single one of the games has been played. And they would not play it in, in a rainstorm. They would delay it. They would have to have a window where you could go a day later or a day earlier because they're not going to play hockey in the rain. Um, but I came here anywhere and they schedule it. I don't think the reason why they wouldn't get the game in. Paul, Which would be exciting. 
fantastic. Yeah, it would yeah. be. Uh, you mentioned in your first answer that you told your parents you wanted to be a meteorologist. <laughs> Why did you want, as a young age, to be a meteorologist? It just was one of those things where it's just it was weird. It's like in my DNA, and I used to drive my parents crazy. There was some guys in Boston. Anyone listening may remember a name named Don Kent. He was kind of like the Roy Leap of Boston. And I remember as a kid, you know, drawing weather maps and, and mailing them in to him. And, and look at this weather map I drew. And he would he would mail me back. Just like just weird stuff that you know. I'm, I, I do weather because it's not because I really want to be on TV that much. It's more of a case that I just love the science. The science is is fascinating. It's fun. It's just kind of a fun job. It's a cha- every day is a challenge. Quick follow up, if I could, Greg. So like, when you study for the bar, you have to you have <laughs> to take the bar in a, in a specific state where you're going to practice law, right? I'm just wondering, right. like. Are there specific challenges for a meteorologist based on where you are, or once you learn the science, you can be a meteorologist in Florida, where you have hurricanes, or in Minnesota, where you're dealing with blizzards? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. Before I got into TV, I, I worked for a, um, a private forecasting company in, in Bedford, Massachusetts, outside of Boston. And one of my one of my main main jobs was I had like 20 radio stations that I would go down a list and and I would do, you know, here here mostly sunny clear. This is Q105 meteorologist Paul Delgado, and you would do, you would do I would do Syracuse, I would do Detroit, I would do Connecticut, and I would sit in a little closet with a microphone and pretend literally that I was in those cities and I wasn't, I was, I was sitting in a room in, in Boston and, and that's how a lot of it's done around the country. So you don't even have to be in that spot. All you need is the proper computer modeling and, and you can forecast anywhere. I mean, the, the challenges here in Florida are of course hurricanes and, and our summer thunderstorms, you know, predicting them is, is more of a challenge people think it is because everyone goes to Florida. Oh, it rains every day. Well, if you think about it, in the summer, I'm counting four o'clock, July, August, and September, and it, and it it really doesn't as much as you think it does. It rains in the morning, sometimes it rains at noon, sometimes it rains at seven p.m. But the whole, you know, you live in Florida, it rains every day at four o'clock. How hard is that? Well, it's it's hard. It's it, it's it usually doesn't rain at four o'clock. How do you get the different percentages if it's going to rain or not? I always found that fascinating. You go from 50%, maybe 30%. <laughs> the chance, yeah, it's a chance of a rain one not, and it's, it's more of a case of the day ahead of time. I mean, rarely does, does rain cover. In our, we have 10 counties in our viewing area, cover the entire 10 counties. I mean, in the summertime, it can rain at your house four days in a row and then not rain your house 10 days in a row. And we're, we're, we're just predicting the chances of you in the summer, say, having a thunderstorm at your house. And some days that chance would be looks high just because of how the, the pattern's shaping up 70, 80 percent. Then other days it looks like ah, it's all going to be inland. If you, you're, 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 in, you're in Palm Harbor and, and the winds are west and it's going to rain in Lakeland, but it's not going to rain in Palm Harbor. So we'll go, we'll go 20% for you and we'll go 70% for, for Lakeland. That's kind of how it works. Okay, nice. Well, Paul, this was a lot of fun, buddy. Maybe yeah. uh, we'll do this again soon. I hope I soon. gave you some good science. I hope, hope you, you did. Yeah. Science today. It's all about science, by the way. Science <laughs> is great. It is about the science. And if the science yeah. goes out of whack, you're the first one to hear about it, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It's it's funny. I, I could be. I always I always tell my buddies at work. I said we could be we could be right for 
three and a half straight months. And there are times when, when I'll wake up and go, oh, God, I just so missed that forecast. It was so wrong. And I'll get five emails. Ah, oh, you just don't know what you're talking about. You're never right. And I just want, I want to respond. I, we were right for, for 45 straight days. It's, it's definitely not an exact science, but it, we've gotten to the point now where like two-day forecasts are about 95, 97% accurate. That's pretty good. You'll take that. Yeah. Every I'll take time. it. Yeah, for sure. Paul, great job as always, buddy. We'll, t we'll do it again soon. Thank you, Paul. Yep, yep. Go, go Bolts. Uh, we, I can't wait for Saturday night. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll be watching you for sure. Paul Delgado, yeah. check him out, Fox 13 in Tampa. Partner, that was a lot of fun. I, the weather fascinates, I think, everybody. It should. Mm -hmm. And when it changes as much as it does, I've got to think, you know, somebody in Paul's shoes, uh, people are relying on you. I mean, we are we are really lucky to have the meteorologist yeah. that we have in this market. And, and he is not kidding when he talks about the specific challenges. I mean, he talked about rainstorms, but also hurricanes. I just think that the the people that work the weather locally have such a good feel for what we can expect when a storm is coming and then when a storm is arriving. And I'm talking yeah. about like hurricane storm as opposed to a lot of the national coverage that you hear. Agree wholeheartedly. I think I think in this this is one instance when the local perspective is really more valuable for if you're a resident here cuz agreed. These are people that have have been through these situations in our area again and again and again and again and i think that experience is just invaluable and paul's one of those trusted voices and they're gonna be watching him to have yeah they're gonna be watching him to get ready for that game this weekend and he mentioned a lot of bolts fans heading that way mm -hmm. that's yeah I think pack that... a raincoat and an umbrella definitely yes, for sure because most people are not going to be getting there like saturday afternoon so it sounds no. like pretty certainly we're going to have rain through the week. So whether you're yes. getting there on Thursday or Friday or whatever, prepare for that. And it sounds like there's going to be a lot of Lightning fans going, which is great to see. Yeah. I'll be interested. It's a big stadium. To hear from you guys. <laughs> What's it hold? Do we know? That's a good question. It's got to be over Probably 60, pretty right? easy to look up. Most football stadiums, though, are like 80,000 or more, right? I was going to say at least it's over 65. No doubt. I mean, I know some arenas. Are I think it's in the sixty-five small. to seventy range. All right. Yeah. So I I overshot there, but still, well, ballpark, hey. ballpark figure. That's why these close. games are so important for the league. I mean, we talked about with with the the television considerations about market share and all of that. Mm -hmm. You know, one outdoor game is the equivalent from a revenue standpoint, from a seating capacity standpoint, yeah. to basically four indoor games no doubt it's a big deal it's a bit and you know we talked about growing the game with star i mean that's one way you can do it too mm -hmm. you know you have these stadium series if you want to focus on a player or two you can because i think they do a pretty good job of promoting that and i think i think a lot of people are intrigued by outdoor games i think some people would say it's lost it's luster i, I get that i get that but if you're a team that's never been in one mm -hmm. <laughs> That's a pretty big deal, you know, for you and your and your team. So, well, I'm pretty confident this game is going to have a huge number in the Tampa Bay market. It will. It's going to. It's. It's to your point. I think it's going to be a fantastic couple of days leading up to that game. You know, for everybody. Mm -hmm. 
So it'll be fun. We'll be there. It is interesting. The one thing that he said that is true is that rain is kind of the great uh, equalizer in terms of creating problems. Yes. I mean, yes, in some markets you could have mugginess or heat. I think the game that he was referencing in Pittsburgh was the game. I remember there was one game that was a winter classic that was pushed to the evening, and that was the game in which Crosby got his concussion. That was the Caps. Yeah. yeah, and that was a night game. So I'm pretty yeah. sure that was the game he was referencing because it was supposed to be played in the afternoon. And right. the weather yeah. the weather was such. Again, 50 degrees in Pittsburgh is too warm to play hockey. Right. 50 degrees in Florida when Greg is talking to his relatives in Pittsburgh, it's chilly. <laughs> that puts things in perspective. It does. But rain is a real problem. And what it does to the ice and... I could see that being a problem. If you have a game that's scheduled for evening mm-hmm. and it rains, what do you do? You push it back to the next day. If the game is scheduled for the afternoon, you can at least push Delay it to it. the evening and hope yeah. the rain dissipates, which I think happened in one of the Lake Tahoe games maybe last year, if I'm remembering correctly. No, that they was decided the sun. to push the game back. The sun was the problem. It was the sun. The players, that's right. could, the players couldn't see. There was not a cloud in the sky, and it, the sun was so bright, and the reflection off the ice. And okay, so whether it's the sun or precipitation, if you do schedule in the afternoon, you you have a little wriggle room to push it back. You've got if a you're fighting schedule in the evening. Yeah. You're not going to worry about sun, yeah. but if the weather doesn't cooperate, then your only choice is to basically play it the next day. But that Anaheim LA game that he was talking about was played at night, as you would expect, and Corey Perry scored in that game for Anaheim. I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's going to be fun. Let's hope Saturday goes off without any issues. And then at some point, Tampa Bay hosting one of those things. Because I think that'll be a lot of fun. And I think this. Based on what he said, though, does that does that sway you one way or the other that this would be a possibility? I I think the league, I mean, they have. I can't be pretty confident they're going to do it, but. It's just the the unpredictable nature of sure. how the weather can swing here. I right. think is is a real concern for the NHL. I can tell you, Steve Mayer from the NHL, the chief content officer, uh, joined Seth Kushner on the block party, which dropped this morning. And one of the questions was, could Tampa host an outdoor game? And they said they've been to Tampa, they've studied it, and there's still some issues of you know making sure the ice is going to be good enough because you can't predict the weather when you schedule mm-hmm. these things. You know, a year out or you know months out obviously, but they've been to town, they've done studies, they're working on it, and it's possible in the future they're not ready for it yet, is what he said. But you can listen to that on the Block Party anywhere you get podcasts with Seth Kushner. Very nice cross-promotion there, Steve. I love that. I wonder if at some point the technology for how they make the ice is going to reach a point where the humidity will be less of a factor. In other words, whatever whatever they are using, and this is way beyond my comfort level of talking about, so maybe we should have we should have Steve on to talk about it. Or Dan Craig, if he still does it. I don't know. He was always the guy that kind of oversaw the construction of the rink. But they have elements in the ice to keep to keep it as ice. Mm-hmm. And maybe the the science will reach a point where they can they can keep the ice solid even if there's higher humidity. But clearly they're not at that point yet. And maybe they'll never be at that point. I don't know. Get some of that synthetic ice that Cooch has. 
Yes. <laughs> they could play it on rollerblades. I was going to say, would, go rollerblades. That, really, awesome. that would really solve the problem, wouldn't that it? That would be sweet. Love that. All right. Well, thanks to Paul. Thanks to you for listening, everybody. We'll be back at it again tomorrow, noon to 1. Partner, good job. Back in the saddle after a couple of days off. Yep. But, uh, we'll be we'll be crushing it again tomorrow. Thanks to Steve Ersnick as well. Hit us up again on Twitter at Bolts Radio. I am Greg Linnelli. It's Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play.